Welcome into Devils Talking Potters. Potters just wrapped up a three-game series in Kansas City against the Royals. I'm Dominic Stern, joined by Bobby Murphy. Bobby, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. Good after a good series win, winning the first two against the Royals, and didn't and it made the Sunday loss a little less disappoint. I mean, less disappointing because the Potters had known that they had already won the series, and going into Sunday with a rubber match just feels a lot more scary than it is. But good to see the Potters win the series and have the offense break out finally. And the offense looks really good this weekend. And I, I think that is a sign of encouragement because it had been so, so bad. And the pitching had been really good for the most part. And the defense had been good for the most part. And we kind of saw that waver a little bit this series. But if the bats can really get heated up, uh, especially against tougher opponents now, you know, the Potter schedule is pretty tough over the next month, the final month. It's all about them carrying over because I'm not going to evaluate how they played against the Royals to say, Oh, I feel like they can make the playoffs. Oh, I don't feel like they're going to make the playoffs have a game and a half lead. I mean, we'll just discuss that right now. It's about whether or not the Padres can keep the bats hot because you're not going to expect Joe Musgrove to have errors behind them and not complete the fourth inning. You're just not going to expect that. You're not going to expect Darvish to go out and allow three runs in the first inning every single time. They're going to be better than that. It's whether or not they can, have that with an offense that scores. So that's, that's what it's all about for the Padres. Yeah. And the best part about this series, of course, with the offense, but after this, the, the past series, how the Padres were just awful throwers in scoring position, 13 for 27 in this series led off by a game by the fir- first one of the series on Friday, eight for 13 with runners in scoring position. And it, that was what the game where the Padres had 13 runs. So it was great to see the Padres offense totally just explode on Friday and then kind of just set the tone for the series. For them to go out and win the first two, you would have liked them to win that final third one, uh, continuing their momentum. But you really hope that on a travel day like it was, that it doesn't carry over going to San Francisco, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But we saw Hassan Kim batting at the leadoff spot. And sure enough, one of the Padres' best hitters over the course of the season and definitely over the last chunk batting leadoff. And those are the two games of the Padres when he got an off day in the third one. But Hassan Kim was really good in that leadoff spot. Went three for six in game number one, and then went one for four. It's four for ten on a four for eleven series as he did pinch hit and struck out in the third game. I mean, are you expecting this to be a thing going forward? Profar and Kim. I mean, either of those two guys as the leadoff because I'm just obviously at this point not sold at all on Grisham at the leadoff spot, which where he hasn't been for a while, but. If Kim can keep this up, I mean, his batting average has been rising substantially over the past few weeks. He's at 258 right now, which still isn't amazing, but to see the way he's been heating up over the last few weeks it gives the Padres a lot more options in the lineup. Put him at leadoff. Does not, don't, they don't have to put Profar at leadoff every single game, even though he does draw walks and get on base at a solid clip. If Kim can keep this going, that would just be amazing for this Padres lineup and for his confidence as well. Yeah, I think that you got to kind of ride the hot hand if you're the Potters right now. Profar has not been good as of late. Had an okay series, got two hits in the opener, then went over and then went over again, but had a walk and also crushed the ball to deep right field. So I, I would lean towards keeping Kim at the top, especially while he's the hot hand. And then, I mean, if you're the Potters, I don't really think it's about consistency at this point. I think it's about putting the best lineup out there. And right now, that is Hassan Kim at the leadoff spot. And it was nice to see Juan Soto back in the lineup after three days off. Uh, he had 
a really good return. I got two hits in game number two and then had a hit and a walk in game number three. Juan Soto getting on base multiple times in both of his games. It's exactly what the Potters brought him in to do. His power numbers have been a little bit disappointing, but he did hit a big home run on Sunday that really drew the Potters back into the game. Had another opportunity to drive in some runners in the top of the eighth, and he didn't come through. Of course, it's baseball. It's a game of failure. Uh, you'd like him to come through in that spot. And that's the guy that you want up there, either he or Machado. Didn't come through in that spot, but you can definitely tell the difference of having Soto back in that lineup. The outfield's a lot better at the bat, and the lineup definitely deepens up a little bit. And in Friday's game, with Kim's three hits, Myers had three hits and a home run as well, and he home run back to back games this series. So it was great to see Myers get back, get hot, and heat up. But Azokar, four for five with four singles and three runs in Friday's game. Great to see that from him, who he hasn't been playing a lot. He just got called up recently. But good to see him in the ninth spot with four hits. And then Bell with two hits, Profar with two hits. Everyone on Friday was just hitting, and everyone in the starting lineup had a hit at some point in the game. Got to see he got Rosario pinch hit. He did end up getting out, but did get to see him getting at bat for his MLB debut late in the game. And I know that you were at work on Sunday and you really couldn't watch a whole lot of the game today. Uh, Campusana got two hits, like you mentioned. That's where you got to start. Uh, it's always been the bat for him. That's always been his plus tool. Uh, everyone knows it. Uh, and there's always been the concerns with him behind the plate. And I don't think he's at fault for a lot of what happened uh, on Sunday. Obviously, all those guys, it was their first time working with Campusana, which uh, is going to make it tough for them. But Manaya has been good as of late. Uh, Chris Matt allowed unearned runs. And then Josh Hader has been really bad as of late. Those are the guys that allowed runs. Everyone else looked, for the most part, comfortable. But you could definitely tell why the Padres didn't want to have Campusano up on the Major League roster, especially over the last week or so when Alfaro had been very clearly hurt and struggling mightily. Throw him on the injury list and bring up Campusano. The Padres don't trust him behind the plate. I mean, I think that's really the reality of the situation. Uh, is he to blame for this loss today? Absolutely not. But uh, there are definitely some pitches that he could have framed and the potentially calling strikes. Uh, I'm sure if you ask Manaya personally, he's not going to throw him under the bus, but, you know, Kebusan is the one calling pitches. It's a little bit different. And he made a bad throw down the third that cost the Potters a run. He also got back picked at second, which cost the Potters a run before Emmanuel Machado home run. The Potters front office very clearly, in my opinion, doesn't trust him behind the plate. His bat's going to play, and I think he needs to get consistent playing time uh, over the next stretch, especially to get the best out of Austin Nola. But uh, you can definitely see why. There was a lot of Pans- Potter fans like, why isn't Campusano been called up? You saw why Potter fans want him to get called up, but you also saw why the Potters didn't get called up. It's no mistake the Potters did allow 15 runs with him behind the plate. It's not all his fault by any stretch of the imagination, but they allowed five on Friday. They allowed three on Saturday, and then they allowed 15 in the one game that he caught. Nola's no savant behind the plate either, but Campusano has a lot of work to do to be a good major league catcher. Still really young, but you can see why the Padres have kept him in the minors. And it was good to see Campusano come up, of course, with Alfaro's injury, and I love to see his two hits. He's always been an offensive-minded kind of player, but if Camusano can get his defense down, he could be an amazing piece for this Padres' future. And Padres knew that he kind of is the catcher of the future. They 
they were able to keep him away from the Soto trade. Of course, the Nationals do have their catcher of the future, so that is the main reason why Camposano stayed. But if he can get his defense down and get pitchers to feel comfortable with him, that'll be huge for the Padres present and future in the organization. But, yeah, I mean, the starting pitching for the series really was not great overall besides you, Darvish. Musgrove, I mean, the defense behind it was not great at all, but eight hits and three and two-thirds innings. Five runs, two earned runs, though. And then you, Darvish, like you said, allowed three runs in the first inning and then went six in and shut out. And that was just a, I don't want to say roller coaster of a game for him. It was really just the beginning was. And then from then on, he was just insane because his pitch count after two innings was amazingly high. And then he had a four pitching in at one point. And he was just mowing through the, the Royals lineup. But seven innings, three runs, six strikeouts, over 102 pitches for you, Darvish. And he looked really good in the, second through seventh inning in that game. But yeah, Manaya, of course, like you said, Campusano behind the plate, he's going to be a lot less comfortable with Campusano and, Camp- and Campusano calling pitches, but he still did get hit hard. Four innings, 10 hits, six runs, zero walks. So he will, good, good to see the zero walks there, but 10 hits and four innings is not good at all. And he was getting hit pretty hard. But like you said, I mean, the rest of this bullpen was either hit or miss. Luis Garcia, Stephen Wilson looked, Looks good. Steen Wilson's been looking really good for this Padres bullpen, but Chris Matt, who's was really struggling throwing strikes, zero earned runs, but did walk three guys. And then Josh Hader. I mean, I'm just so glad that he's out of that closer role, but point one innings, five hits, six runs, and two walks. That is just unbelievably bad. And it's just crazy how much he struggled for this Padres bullpen because he has been absolutely awful. He's got a 24 ERA with the Potters in just four and a third innings. Uh, it's been a disaster of a trade. Really no other way around it. So, I mean, that's kind of all we got to talk about with that series. Like we mentioned, the Potters have a game and a half lead over the Milwaukee Brewers in the NL wildcard race. The Braves, had, once again, had another good week against the St. Louis Cardinals. The Potters are nine games behind them. So, it's basically out of the conversation. The Padres won't have any home playoff games unless they win that wild card round. Of course, they got to make the playoffs, which is, of course, the priority game and a half lead over the Brewers. Seven and a half over the Giants just got swept by the Minnesota Twins as you were talking to me uh, before we started recording. You know, if you're the Padres, you really have a chance to kill the Giants. We talked about it uh, on our before the Padres put the Giants at Petco last time. They took two out of three and had a walk off and, you know, a blowout win, which is exactly what you want to do. If you're going to take two out of three, uh, it's the opportunity to really kill them now. And that way it's just you and the Brewers and theoretically the Phillies too, but um, just get, just put the giants out. They can either be eight and a half or, I mean, best case scenario, 10 and a half back uh, going into September, then they're done. Like there's no way around that. So, I mean, that's kind of my thoughts really just, baseline going into the series and for this series like you said got swept by the twins split two games with the tigers lost a series to the rockies and split a four-game series with the d-backs so yeah i mean this giants team ever since they swept the pirates a few weeks ago or like about a week and a half ago they just have been cooling off a lot and i mean the twins are a good ball club but the Padres could really just put a dent in their playoff hopes i know it's not high anyway they're 61 and 65 but there's only a game, a team, two teams ahead of them for the final spot, really. And it's, that's the thing with the NL. There's just a big gap. Padres, Brewers, big gap, Giants. And the Padres could really put a huge dent in their playoff hopes this 
series as well as put a as well as just raise the chances for them with a big series here. Yeah, Fangrass has got the Giants at a one percent chance. Kill them this week. Just do it. Just end it. Uh, so let's talk about the series. I mean, you look at it, these pitching matchups are phenomenal uh, in San Francisco. You got Clevenger, Snell, and Musgrove for the Padres. So Manaya only made that one start in, or not Manaya, excuse me. Darvish only made that one start in San Francisco. Uh, we talked about it after his first start there, which was completely a disaster. Uh, you know, try and find a way to not have him start. And guess what? He's not going to. So I think that's best case scenario. And he's going to pitch in the first game against the Dodgers, a team that he's had some good success against. That's uh, going to be Clevenger, Snell, and Musgrove. I mean, theoretically, at San Francisco, considering how Darvish has pitched out there, these are the three guys you want out there for the Padres. Yeah, and against this Giants lineup, with that's not amazing, but not awful. But with Clevenger out there, I mean, his last few starts, he's been looking solid. Last start against the Guardians, six run, six innings, two runs. And then before that, against the Marlins with a lot of run support, four and a third, three runs. He's been looking solid for the Padres. Blake Snell, I mean, he got hit really hard against the Indians in his last start. But before that, he was on a stretch of a six amazing straight, pit, straight outings. And he was looking really good in the second half. Musgrove didn't get a lot of help with his defense, but did not look great in his in his last start on Friday. But Overall, those are the guys who I do want out on the mound. I feel comfortable with all of them going out on the mound pretty much any game. And, of course, they will have bad starts occasionally. Snell, of course, was not going to keep up his amazing hot streak. Clevenger will have a bump in the road every once in a while. And Musgrove still has a sub-three ERA. So I feel great with all these guys out on the mound against the Giants this series. Yeah, the one thing that may be a little bit more than baseline is that these guys should be well-rested going into the series. Clevenger had that off day on Thursday. Uh, so he's got five days of rest and then Snell and Musgrove didn't have deep starts. Snell also has that off day. So, uh, in terms of pitch count from their last start, they should be feeling more fresh than say most of their starts, not, not really knowing how they're feeling injury wise. Uh, but Snell definitely hasn't been as good since, uh, that unfortunate car crash for him, uh, a chance for him to, turn it around a little bit. And, you know, for those guys, the giants, they're going to mix and match their guys. Uh, it's never a fun lineup to face as a starting pitcher. Cause they're going to do everything possible to try and set themselves up to beat you. As for the guys, the giants are throwing out there. I mean, these are three of the best guys they've got. Rodon has been their ace this year on Monday. Logan Webb was their ace last year and is one of their best pitchers. Absolutely. On Tuesday. And then Alex Wood who's had another good year uh, pitching on Wednesday. I mean, those are the three guys you really don't want to see theoretically, but uh, that's who the Giants are going to roll out there. Webb with a 3-3 ERA, Rodon with a 2-8. And then Wood's got a 5, but he's been pitching a lot better in the FIP at 3-8-3. Uh, says his underlying numbers are certainly better than what his full season statistics have been. Yeah, and for this series, all three of the guys, I'm scared can just shut down this Padres offense. I hope they can stay hot because this could be a huge series for the Padres to win two out of three, maybe three games going into a series against the Dodgers next weekend. So, but yeah, Rodon, you, you went over him, 2.81 ERA. His last five starts, he's just been absolutely shut down for the Giants. Hasn't allowed more than two runs in his last five starts. Four starts in the month, month of August, 1.85 ERA, and 189 strikeouts and 147 innings this year. So he's been amazing for the Giants. Logan Webb, who, you know how much, how high I was on him coming into the season. He was actually my side on pick for the NL. 3.33 ERA, and he's really just been cooling off in August. 5.22 ERA, 
over his last few starts. His last two starts have been pretty bad against Detroit and the D-backs, but his two starts before that were looking really good. And he's, not, I wouldn't say a hit or miss guy. He's just been sh- a little bit inconsistent over his last few starts. But Alex Wood, like you said, his numbers are look better than he has been all year. But his last two starts, he's been just hit really hard. 7.2 innings, 15 earned runs, and he's just really been struggling. So hopefully he can stay cool and the Padres can get to him early. Yeah, I didn't even look at Wood's last starts. I mean, one of them was at course, so you know I got to take that with a grain of salt. But uh, he started against the Padres four times. He's had two good starts, which were his first two, which also happened to be in San Francisco. His last two have been both really good starts. Uh, both he worked into the seventh inning and didn't allow any runs. So it's the fifth time that he's faced the Padres. Is that going to give the Padres an advantage? Whereas Wood seemingly figured out the Padres a little bit. Uh, was it just because Wood was pitching at Petco where maybe he feels a little bit more comfortable? Or or is he just feeling uncomfortable at Oracle against the Padres? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. His last two starts against the Padres, like you said, both at Petco, six and a third shutout, seven and a third shutout. So his last two starts, he's not allowed to run against his Padres lineup. So if they can get to him early, get to the bullpen to end off the series, that would be amazing for the Padres' momentum into the weekend. And as for their bats, I mean, it's a lineup that you all have seen. Uh, belts on the IL, but you know, Crawford, of course, Estrada has been good for them this year. Longoria has been on an absolute tear. Jock Peterson has been turning around. You got Slater, Yastrzemski, Flores, Listella, Bart, uh, those guys. I mean, Potter fans should know what to expect with those guys at this point. So I don't think we really need to dive too deep into it. Yeah. Like some of the guys you mentioned, like Jock Peterson, he's been really hot over the past week, but Mike Yastrzemski, one of the bigger names in that lineup. He's really been struggling this year. 676 OPS, only 12 home runs. No one on the team has 20 home runs. Jock Peterson is leading with 18 home runs. And then Wilmore Flores is actually leading the team with 60 RBIs and second in the, on the team with 16 home runs. 763 OPS, which looks like it's second on the team behind Jock Peterson. But this lineup is really not that scary. I mean, Joey Bart, of course, the highly touted prospect in their organization who are well, former prospect and now in their organization. When I was at the four game series back in San Diego, I saw there's some giants fans just absolutely clowning on Bart. And I'm like, he's young. I mean, he's, he's going to be solid. I mean, he's in two twenty eight, not great. He hasn't had a great start to his career so far, but this lineup from top to bottom really is not too scary overall. Nope. Uh, bullpen. It's been banged up. It's another opportunity for the Padres to crush it. They did so in their last two games. Hopefully the Padres can do more of the same. You got anything else you want to add? Uh, we'll just win two out of three this weekend and get some momentum into a Dodger series. Cool. That's going to wrap it up on this episode of Devils Talking Padres. Thank you all for tuning in. Dominic Stern, you can find me on Twitter at DMSTern19. You can find Bobby on Twitter at BobbyMurphy2000. Make sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. And we'll come back to you with another episode after this three-game set against the Giants. Go Padres.